frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I drink your milkshake. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Clara, you're back. I'm back. I, I think I think you are you are our first return guest. How does that feel? You can't get rid rid of me, bitch. You can't, can't, can't get, get rid, rid of you now. No way. <laughs> oh no man. No way. No, yeah, I no, love thanks it. for I'm coming honored. back on. So yeah, thank we, you. We did we did Eternal Sunshine. I want to say a couple mm-hmm. month month. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe time in quarantine is just it's slow and fast at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we did we did Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about the I'm Think of Anything's trailer. Yes. Since then it has come out and I figured it would be a good chance to just put out a mini episode and get our get our thoughts out. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have both seen this once, is what you were just telling me. Yeah. I, I saw it once with a bunch of friends. <laughs> I was doing an outdoor movie night, which I do from time to time with like That's so w- sick. with my projector. And everyone was like, oh, let's watch like the next Pirates of the Caribbean because we just watched Pirates of the Caribbean. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking of ending things just came out. I was like, not, you know, like kind of <gasps> oh, thinking, no. I, was kinda, <laughs> I was thinking that they wouldn't go for it. And then, and then, um, and then a couple of my friends were like, oh, I saw that trailer. It looks kind of like, <gasps> like get out or something. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be like that. Like, no. exciting. <laughs> but if you're interested, I mean, I'm not going to say no. So yeah, I had like five friends over and we all watched <laughs> a Charlie Kaufman movie. <laughs> um, I don't think I would ever um do a group viewing of a Kaufman movie. So I applaud you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd recommend it. Honestly, honestly, it went it went it went pretty well though. I'd say that okay. a couple people were very confused. Mm. Um couple people were into it and i think at the end everyone just stared at stared at each other was like that was it oh no that was was all (laughs) it's like yes yeah that's a kaufman (laughs) do do you want to give a summary do you want to try to summarize this okay um am i avoiding spoil are we avoiding spoilers or are we I want to say this is this is a podcast for people that have seen the movie. So okay, listen up. If you haven't seen it yet, no, skip not, forward. Do not listen to this. This this yeah. It's one yeah. Point. Wait till the end when we say bye. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. So when we start, it comes across as though we are. Um, following along with this woman who talks about how she feels like she's in this perfect relationship with a guy um, and she's on her way to meet his parents and like they they're not that far into dating like it's pretty early um and we get this cool like contrast between her talking about how great things are with him and then all of a sudden this like i'm trying to think of the right word um invasive thought comes of like she's thinking of ending things which is like this real like right off the bat it's almost like this jarring thing to hear because she just like said that they were like were basically soulmates and you're like oh okay um and from there things just get really progressively weirder and weirder like their conversations start out kind of quirky but you're just like oh well it sounds like they're both like nerdy grad student artsy like philosophical type people so like it makes sense that they're a little on the quirky side um but then as like we transition from like them 
driving there to like meeting the parents the parents are weird as hell right off the bat um great performances by the way oh so good so fun oh i just such a good time it's just incredible um and we we see a lot of like inconsistency and like who the girl we have been following along with is who her boyfriend is like things just get more and more confusing um and then eventually it's kind of just revealed that like they things are just weird i'm trying to find the i feel like i'm not even explaining it well enough but everything becomes like really surreal and like almost like an alternate reality in a way and you're trying to keep up and process what's happening um and while all this is happening where we're getting the the story of the girl going to meet her boyfriend's parents we're also getting these really interesting intercuts of this like old man janitor who works in a high school and we just kind of follow him really like he doesn't speak really at all and we just kind of follow along as he goes through his day of cleaning and watching a movie on his lunch break and like all kinds of fun stuff like that um and once we get to i'm just gonna say the third act i would say is where we really get like this big reveal where all along um we've kind of just been living in the mind of this janitor and the girl and the fact that she's dating the Jake um, turns out to not really be a, a thing at all. Um, and we've basically just been living in the janitor's memories as he's been reflecting on his life, I guess, in a way, or like living in regret. I don't know the right way to call that because I think everyone's interpreting it different ways, but yeah, yeah. There, there are. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's very well said. Uh, there are musical numbers. Yes. Which, uh, <laughs> as you'd expect. Of course. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think that's really, I think that's really, really well said. When did you realize that we were living in the janitor's head? Mm. When was, when did that realization come along? Because for me, um, I'm trying to think of how this unfolded. I think, I think at one point we, we sort of realized that it's probably from the point of view of the janitor, but I had like sort of an intense conversation with a friend about like, if Jesse Plemons is the janitor mm. and I'm like, well, no, they're both in his head. Like mm. he's neither of them. Like they're both mm. fantasies, oh. which I mean, it like, in truth, both are correct, right? Because mm-hmm. Jesse is who he wants to be, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they are both in his head. He's not really either of them. So, yeah. I don't know. But, like, so when was it in the movie that you realized that we were in the janitor's head? Um, right when you first asked that, asked that question, I was like, ooh, I don't know. But now I, I know. Because um, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, for me, it was while they're still at the house and it's near the end of their visit where things are getting super weird and we see the parents transitioning from like really old to like dead to really young and like all of that's going on and the young woman eventually um goes to the basement which at the beginning it was like don't go in the basement she goes to the basement and in the washer there are just like a crap ton of the janitor's uniforms um and i think that's where it kind of clicked for me where i was like okay like well, obviously, just, like, from the fact that they're showing that, like, the two stories are connected, and then it kind of, like, fell into place of, like, okay, things are seriously, like, so clearly, like, wrong, like, the story doesn't make sense, like, her job keeps changing, her name keeps changing, like, all these things are going on, like, I definitely think 
this is none of this is real obviously because like things are happening in such a bizarre way um so i think like that moment where she like lifts up the uniform and they like show us like it's his uniform i was like there we go okay i understand sort of um <laughs> yeah good i get it <laughs> i think i think part of when i pieced it together was when he's watching the movie in a movie mm. directed by robert zemeckis by the <laughs> way which i thought was just a great dig apparently what happened is the editor <laughs> just put in the couple title cards from contact like yeah put in the title cards from the movie contact and, and then charlie coffin was like no, no no that's great let me just like ask robert zemeckis <laughs> if i can like <laughs> if i can like insult him about my movie and he was like he didn't care apparently but they're wearing the same outfits and this after he sees that movie like inside a movie that mm. changes their how they met story or is, mm-hmm. isn't there something like that yeah 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 i mean yeah. the story keeps changing so it does <laughs> which is like fun but also like definitely keeps you on your feet a little bit like i feel like if you weren't paying attention it's like you get a little lost in that a little bit oh yeah and and, and then like i just went to the bathroom cuz i was like it's like a normal dinner and I didn't want to like stop it with my friends and all of a sudden they're like everything changed I'm like what they're like they're like she's old now I'm like how is she old now like, like they were all how just long like, were you in the bathroom <laughs> I don't know years um yeah no it's one of those movies where it's like I I I I I, I like look down just a couple times or mm. like I, I I I stepped away like a couple times and they're like yeah so the whole thing's flipped, you know, I'm just like, what the fuck? And then like, I, 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 I'd be staring at the screen for like five minutes and just nothing important would happen. Mm-hmm. Well, important. I mean, right, everything's yeah. important, but I don't know. It, it, it's a weird, it's a weird movie that way where it doesn't, it doesn't really have sort of a climax at any point. It just yeah. kind of keeps going and drops these weird like nuggets of truth throughout. I don't know. No, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Like, I I think that's definitely, like, an interesting part of it is that, like, things obviously, like, get a little weirder as you go along. But for the most part, it's not like you have this, like, huge, like, explosion of, like, development necessarily until you really – I feel like until you are in the last, like, few minutes – and you kind of have, like, for most people, at least, you have that moment of, like, just pure, like, total realization of, like, what's happened. And then you get that final shot of just the car in the snow. And you're like, oh. And, like, I feel like that's the one rush of, like, whoa. And then it's over. <laughs> and so you it's don't over. even get time to really process it. <laughs> Why is it that everyone's wearing the old people makeup in the end? Did you figure that out? What does that mean? Um, oh, oh, shoot. I read it and now I can't remember exactly the reference it is to. But the one thing, I, this will like kind of go into like an overall like statement. But um, yeah. one of the things I was reading about it, IndieWire did like a really cool interview with him. I think I'm pretty sure it was IndieWire where they went through and like brought up like all these different things where they're like this feels like vaguely familiar like like what's going on like why did you do this why did you do that and I think it's cool because Kaufman like was like actually answering the questions which is kind of unique for a Charlie Kaufman movie he doesn't do that that often yeah I think we (laughs) talked about that last episode how usually he's like nope I'm not telling you anything but I feel like he's been a lot more like 
willing to discuss things for this one, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I know for a fact that like them wearing the old people makeup is oh, I just remembered it. Um, it's awesome. a reference. Perfect timing. To, it's a reference to a beautiful mind where he's like accepting an award or something and everyone in the crowd is older. Mm-hmm. It's like an exact reference to that. Um, and that is to say from what Charlie Kaufman was saying, there are like, like ton, I don't want to say hundreds cause I don't know for sure, but like, let's just say hundreds to be a little hyper, hyper, hyperbolic. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I can say words. You good. Um, but like there's like hundreds of these really subtle references to other forms of media whether it's like film reviews or books or tv shows or movies that he's scattered in um and it's like the implication that these are the things that jake like admired as he was growing up like these are things he read or saw that he really liked and so then when we're getting this depiction of like his fantasy in a way he's like basically just taking pieces of stuff he liked and like centering his reality around it. Interesting. So it's littered with all these like random, I, I don't know, these random like. Easter eggs in a way. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is sort of funny cause I would have never picked up on that, but mm-hmm. I mean, he is the type to put stuff in a movie that you'd never pick up on, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's really interesting to see because as I've like seen people's reviews on Letterboxd, it's been so fun to see like, not everyone has like talked about it explicitly, but like there's been a good handful of people that are like, did anyone else notice the reference of this? Because I did. And like, I don't know if it's actually a reference. And like, that's the kind of cool thing is that these right. references are like there in a way that are, is so subtle that if you don't know exactly what it is, you're not even going to notice. But if you know what it is, you're like, whoa, like, why is that in here? Like, that's super weird. Um, like, I feel like the only, like, super blatant one, and even this one isn't that blatant, because, like, if you're not, like, involved in, like, talking about movies, really, like, you probably wouldn't know. But, like, when the young woman, like, goes into that monologue where she takes on the accent and everything, she's, like, directly quoting – she's directly quoting a review – um, oh, the Pauline Kale review? Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. a spot-on impression of her, which is like so bizarre, but so interesting. I heard that. That's so weird. I thought they were just talking about the movie, which I was also like, there's just a discussion about a woman under the influence in the middle of this. But yeah, apparently she's just like reading or just directly quoting the review, which is like yeah. hilarious and bizarre. I found those things like super fun at the times I picked up on them, but I'd love mm-hmm. to like, so- sort of say it again to see what more I can piece together because I think at first you're just like okay so what is reality Mm -hmm. where are we who's real who's not it it takes a while to get into his world so I think I think that it probably would be worthwhile on a rewatch I to, to be honest I liked this movie I didn't love it I didn't love it like his other movies. I think you rated it a 10, right? Yeah, I I did a 5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And okay, up yeah, until yeah. yesterday, actually, I had it as like my my top of the year. It just got dethroned. But um, By... uh, Lingua Franca, it's a Ooh. new Netflix one. It's been like 
I'm going to say criminally underrated, but it's incredible. It's like written, directed, starred, edited by a trans woman. And it's about her experience. Well, not her experience directly, I don't think, but the story is essentially about a trans woman who is living in like the Bronx illegally during like Trump's presidency and she's trying to get a green card. And so she's like a caretaker for this old woman with dementia and she starts a relationship with the old woman's like grandson. So that's my little plug. Um, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Everyone check out. No, I mean, that's awesome. I, I, I didn't hear about this movie. It didn't show mm-hmm. up on my queue, which is the only way I know what's on Netflix. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, no, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, uh, I loved for it. For sure. It was a good one. Um, but before that happened, I'm thinking of ending things was like my fave of the year. I think just because I like the like challenge it almost provides where it's not, I just, I, I gravitate towards films that leave you with something to like chew on and to think about. And like right. this obviously does that like tenfold with whether it's like trying to comprehend like what exactly happened and like what reality actually was or like if we go like the reference route like trying to like figure out what was an actual reference to something what was something like truly unique and I think that's really cool I also really loved it because um it reminds me of this book I read when I was an English major in college we for one of my classes we read this book called Reality Hunger and um it's this manifesto by David Shields about like being an artist and pursuing like authentic um artistic like creation um and it's really it's a great book it's a great read but you read it and it's just like all these different like calls of like do this like pursue that blah 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 and it's like this really cool format where it's like numbered and like different chapters are about different forms of media um and then you get to the end and there is a little like two-page disclosure at the end that's basically like hey just so you know um none of the things that were in this book were my own writing. I just took things from other authors I liked and put them together in a way where it tells a new story, even though it's like a thousand different authors writing things. And then he gives like an autobiography or he does like a work cited thing because he's like, if I don't include this, my lawyer said I'd get sued. So here (laughs) is me citing everything. And so super great book. Um, And like one of my favorites, I read it all the time still, but it, that book it feels like almost like a film version when we look at I'm thinking of ending things where like we're getting all of this like content and then you have to almost like decipher what is like authentically Kaufman's and what is he adopting from like other creators which is like so challenging in a way which I really like. Yeah I think that's a really really good like analogy and I don't think I totally picked up on how many external preferences are in are are in in, in, in inside of the movie I almost wish mm-hmm. he would do like an autobiography for this film that'd be pretty rad <laughs> but um yeah like I, I i i i sort of think with this movie like it could be that i'm not smart enough to understand that so just like <laughs> disclosure on that but i i felt like it was a puzzle and there was a lot happening inside of it i feel mm-hmm. like Compared to like Eternal Sunshine, which we talked about last time, mm-hmm. have you you still haven't seen adaptation? Yeah, no, but, I uh, haven't. <laughs> no, it's okay. I won't. I won't. I won't bug you on that anymore. But um, <laughs> but like compared to some of his other movies, I think 
I don't think this movie has as much external commentary mm. as some of his other films. How do you feel about that? Am I am I wrong? Ooh. I could be wrong. <laughs> so in a way, I would say I well, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but I think there is some really solid external commentary in that it kind of and we talked about this last time too, but I think this is like a really cool like expansion on some of the things he was saying within internal sunshine where like last time we talked about um like the concept of like a manic pixie dream girl and how like we have this incredible like strongly portrayed like female character but we only get her through the lens of joel's interpretation of her and so we're never actually truly experiencing like who she is as a person or truly understanding her motivations as a character because we're living we're, we're watching through joel's memories of her which are obviously always going to be warped in some kind of bias yeah um and so i feel like he almost in a way took that like um discussion and revved it up a lot because (laughs) i feel like it's even more so discussed here because before it was kind of like we're reliving through these memories but now we're getting an experience that isn't based on memory at all it's solely based on fantasy and it's centered like at the end, the young woman says, like, we never even talked. Like, he just stared at me, and it was weird, and I didn't like it. And so I think that's really interesting, like, the discussion of that where we start off with this, like, portrayal of a perfect couple, and then by the end, it's shown that they didn't even know each other and how sometimes we romanticize the people in passing around us because it's easier to like fantasize about someone we don't know and who we can fill in all the blanks on um, rather than trying to build a life with someone we actually know in like our day to day. And so I think that's really interesting. I would say that's like the big like external commentary I took away from this is that like sometimes we would rather live in a, a fantasy than confront like who we are as people and like deal with like the people directly in our lives yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair mm-hmm. um it does i i don't i don't know why i sort of left this not feeling as full as some of his other movies mm-hmm. on that sort of like external commentary because i guess i i do agree with everything you're saying and i do think that that is true of this movie. So I don't, I don't know what it is that I just didn't feel as full mm-hmm. on that commentary. It, 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 it could be that I took so long trying to figure it out. That could that totally like, be it. That like, I didn't have enough time to like, think about what he meant with it all. Mm. You know, I spent so much time just like, how is this working? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I, I think yeah. part of the criticism that I've heard of him is that he's better when he's working with like another director to sort of flush out his ideas Mm. more and rein him in a little bit. So like interesting part of, part of what someone was saying, Gondry, who is the director of eternal sunshine is a Mm. romantic and he's, and, and Kaufman's sort of a cynic. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so sort of, I guess (laughs) understatement of the year, but like that, that dynamic sort of works well in that movie. And that's why, that, like times he's working on his own. I mean, it's really, really cool to see entirely into his own head because mm-hmm. he's controlling the whole whole thing. But you don't get someone that's reining in his ideas. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that concept. Ooh, 
I like that concept. I haven't, I hadn't heard of that, but I think I would, I would agree with that in some way. Like I think, I'm trying to think of the way to articulate this. I think he um, has such a complex way of like creating story Mm -hmm. um, that definitely goes against the grain of like what we're used to when it comes to building out plot and like character and all of that. Like you, I would argue that at, at least like in this era of filmmaking, we get a lot of very like cut and dry to the point like characterization or plot point like usually we have one or the other that's very clear and so it gives us almost I hate to use the word crutch but it almost is kind of a crutch to the audience where you are kind of like supporting them so that everyone's on the same playing field like no one's going to get left behind in like what's happening um and I think Kaufman usually is like fuck that and just like (laughs) like goes full throttle into a story and so then it leaves us, I think that is a great way to put it. Like you are left thinking a lot more about the how rather than the why. Um, so yeah, I like- maybe on rewatches, you'd think more about the why. So yeah. to be fair, yeah, I haven't seen mm-hmm. it again. So yeah, I know. And see, I need to rewatch it again. Um, and that's an interesting thing. Like, I do think that's kind of like a, a risky way to go about things with filmmaking is to create things that purposefully need to be rewatched more than once to be like properly understood because I think you're always for probably always going to have the film nerds rewatching stuff like of course for sure but like the average viewer is going to be a lot less likely to rewatch something especially if they don't understand it the first time I think they're going to be a little bit more like jaded about it um and left like feeling a little confused and let down by the thing as a whole um and so now I think with I'm thinking of ending things, it's this really hard bubble to be in where this is probably like his most accessible film. Like his films, from what I understand from reading, like don't always do the best in theaters because they're a little quirky right. and a little weird. Um, and so instead of that theatrical release, like he normally gets, he is on Netflix, which is arguably one of the most popular streaming platforms. So it his might audience, be his most seen movie. I mean, exactly. it really might be. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a really interesting bubble to be in where he is presenting like his most accessible movie in terms of like watchability, but it's also his, I would almost say in a way it's one of his least accessible because there is just so much content. Yeah, to try and understand and, like, process. And so that's, like, a really weird line that I think very few directors could do it like Kaufman does. And so, like, power to him for, like, sticking to his his aesthetic and themes and whatnot. But it is very interesting to see, like, the response to it. Like, I feel like everyone has been really, like, aggressive in loving it or really aggressive in, like, hating it, which is interesting. Which is why I'm in a weird category where i liked it yeah (laughs) i don't feel like there's anyone else in my boat that's like that was a cool movie but like i you know i i i I don't see many people trying to sort of parse out like the pedal ground with it all but um Mm -hmm. how much how how, how, like into like the french new wave are you have you seen a lot of french new wave stuff (sighs) Not particularly. I have a lot sitting in my watch list that I want to okay. like check That's into, fair. but not a lot, unfortunately, which stinks because like I love French movies. I took French in high school. So like I love watching them and like 
trying to make yeah. sure I'm still at least semi-competent in another language. Yeah, but. it's always fun. <laughs> it's always fun. So like, I guess where I'm going with this is it reminded me, as we we're talking about this, it reminded me about like Jean-Luc Cadard, especially his stuff mm. like in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. I've similarly like always struggled with him specifically in mm-hmm. a way that I, yeah, I mean, like I love a lot of these like icons of the French New Wave, but I've struggled with Truffaut because mm. I think sometimes he like breaks things to break them ah. instead of like breaking things to like enhance a character. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to like cut this up so that you get a sense of time is going faster or like, uh, you know, like you get a sense mm-hmm. of like something that someone's experiencing. Like if you've ever seen, if, if you've ever seen Low Weekend, it's mm. a bizarre, bizarre movie um and like it ends with with um the end of cinema and you're just like okay mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's yeah. it i guess <laughs> cool like, he's just like he he breaks everything down and he's just like that's that's it that's all i got right i mean i i i sort of feel like later charlie kaufman is sort of similar to that in some ways where i i think he's getting at more of a point but it reminds me a lot of like french new wave stuff where he's just like he's breaking everything Mm-hmm. And you either love that or you hate it. I love it at times. Mm. But like sometimes I'm like, why? Yeah. Are we going, why are we getting so weird? Like, I feel like there's mm-hmm. a way to tell the story in a slightly more accessible way. But totally. I'm just a dude in his 20s <laughs> who has never made a movie. So. <laughs> Let's just keep that in mind. <laughs> I know. That's always that's always the one thing I grapple with. I'm like, mm, I'm just some mid twenties yeah. film enthusiast. I don't I don't make movies for a reason because I don't <laughs> I don't have that skill. I just know how to talk about them. So Yeah, exactly. Can I really, can I really say the things I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I like don't feel qualified. So that's <laughs> so that's my sort of Charlie Kaufman French New Wave thought. I don't know if you have any Yeah, I like that. That's super interesting. And I think that's a really cool comparison. And like, I feel like there's not a lot of directors right now that you could compare the two. Like you can't it's really, true. you can't that's really true. bring a lot into like French new wave. And so I think that's really interesting. And like, maybe that's part of why there's that tension in a way, because it's just not the norm anymore. Like that's not the type of filmmaking we experience a lot. And so then it makes me wonder like if that was more the normal like situation we were getting put into, like how differently would we be like able to handle a movie like that? Which is really interesting. So it's like it is that that pressure of like he's breaking a lot of the boxes and then uh making us like sit there and put the pieces back together, which <laughs> is <Yeah>. not normal. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And like I'm really, really glad that someone is financing his movies because I know that yeah. he had trouble with that for like a long time. And now with Netflix, they can just throw some money at that and he can make what he wants to make. So I mean yeah. that's that's the pro of all this is is that we're even able to talk about this. Mm-hmm. because like it's not the kind of movie that would have a studio release and like even a no. studio like a24 would be like i don't know like yeah. maybe but this might be a little too weird for us like yeah no. or here's two million dollars see what you can do with that like mm-hmm. i mean like it 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 
it is cool that we live in a world where what where like a movie like this can be released and we can even talk about it so yeah super exciting i love it a lot i will say on the flip side my one beef with Netflix getting it is I hate, I honestly, I, I love the trailer for I'm Thinking of Anythings, but I also kind of hate the way they've marketed it um, because I think it ha- that's been a partial disservice to it and like what it actually is. Why is that? Um, well, I think a good, like part of it that ties in well is that your friends watched the trailer and they thought it was a little bit like Get Out where, and I think that is kind of what happened with a lot of people is you watch it and it looks like, it does kind of I, now, like now that you like mentioned that, I like, and I think about it, the trailer does make it kind of look like that kind of heading home with the parents. And yeah, things get crazy and exactly. And when they you see get cuckoo on you, exactly. And when you see a trailer like the way it was presented, like obviously, like I would say, like since we're familiar with Kaufman's work, we know not to expect like a true like indication of what's going to happen from a trailer. But the average watcher is going to see that and think that they understand the basics of it, especially because I would say horror trailers a lot lately reveal a lot of the story in their trailer. Mm -hmm. And so I think the one downside is the way Netflix was marketing, I would say, like, I feel like painted this really kind of almost like cut and dry picture of like, oh my gosh, his parents are psycho. Like they're trying to murder her. And that's the vibe it kind of gave off. And so that's what people went into it thinking that it was probably going to be more of like a jump scary, like slasher horror. And that's not what it is at all. It's more, I mean, you can call it a psychological horror for sure, I would say. But that was interesting. Like I had, when it, when it dropped, I had like five or six different people reach out to me over the weekend and be like, hey, I'm about to watch this because like you mentioned, you wanted to see it. Um is it going to be scary? Am I going to be scared? And I was like, no, no, not at all. (laughs) It'll tear apart your soul. But I mean, if you don't mind that, yeah. 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 It reminds me a lot of um, how the Darren Aronofsky movie Mother was marketed. I don't know if you remember that. Yep, I do. (laughs) Yeah, it was marketed like a horror movie. Yeah. But I mean... And then everyone was like, what is this weird Bible allegory? But then <laughs> yeah. most, people, most people didn't realize it was a Bible allegory. I, I think that that movie similarly probably would have done better on Netflix or like with like a yeah. small release than it did. Like it kind of opened wide with like a $40 million budget. It was like a way too high of a budget. Yeah, and like no, Jennifer no. Lawrence was like a huge star. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it just, it was, it was kind of a victim of its own situation yeah like I think, but um it's i liked that movie i, I do too <laughs> similarly didn't love it but i liked it i thought it was weird and cool yeah but um yeah i think i i don't know like i, th- I think the problem for like these weird stories that yeah like break apart your soul for mm-hmm. lack of a better word is i don't think we have like a a visual language to sort of communicate that in like a two minute trailer the same yeah. way it's like oh here is like a screeching sound that means like someone's coming around the door and that's like <laughs> yep. that's like oh maybe we're in a thriller now or maybe like yeah we don't have a visual and i guess auditory too like mm-hmm. language to sort of communicate like this movie's weird and it's gonna tear you apart I- I- other than like like quotes um 
from like the New York Times saying like this movie is <laughs> <laughs> this movie yeah. will this movie is mesmerizing. Like I feel like that's the only way you communicate. Yeah. That. I, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that is super spot on, and I, totally I don't know how you that. would market it. Is what I'm getting. Yeah. At. No. Yes, and that's true, and that's. See, and that's the problem with me just being like nitpicky because like I don't have a solution at all for that. <laughs> for that, like I can't, I can't that's tell Netflix do. how to do it better. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's spot on. I like that a lot. I would agree. I would say probably the only way looking at that trailer you could understand like what it would probably be like is when they do the whole like written and directed by the creator of Eternal Sunshine, New York Syndicate or Syndicate New York all these other ones and it's just like if unless you like know those movies like you're not gonna understand like the implication which is super true exactly i like that that counterpoint that's good (laughs) yeah anyways um i don't know if i had any other thoughts on the movie how how, how would this rank amongst your charlie kaufman watches Mm. i was talking with um I think I was talking to Griffin from Letterboxd about this. Oh, I, I love Griffin. He's nice. We both live in Seattle, so that's oh fun. cool. I haven't ever chatted with him, but I, oh, I, I, I like his stuff and stuff. Yeah, yeah, highly recommend. Oh, um, I, I honestly, I think I would put it pretty high, but I, th- I think that might. And it's funny because when we were talking about, it, I said, "Oh, I feel pretty good about putting it up towards like my top three, maybe," but then. At the same time, I was like, but I want to wait till my second watch to really solidify like where exactly in the top three it would be. But the more time that has passed and I've like thought about it more and like that kind of thing, because like I've definitely been thinking about it a lot since I watched it. Right. I I don't know. I I think it really is dependent on a second rewatch for me. Like there's just so much to think about and take in from it that it's hard to really like look at it and compare it like properly to his other works if that makes sense i do think that makes sense and um yeah i mean it's just it's yeah i was mm-hmm. just gonna say what you said. <laughs> it's like yeah nice. it does have a lot i was just gonna mansplain what you just told me um, <laughs> no, don't you know. dare <laughs> <laughs> i agree nice <laughs> Uh, oh, I love Charlie that. Kaufman. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I saw Mother like in theater the opening weekend. Wow. And I think for some reason I got so much joy out of just like seeing this. Like, it wasn't even like a full theater because yeah, I was in like the Tacoma Cinemark or something. But like, okay, okay, it was like it was just so fun to see everyone else just be like, what the fuck do I say? Especially in Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know why I didn't get as much joy out of seeing my friends struggle with this movie. Hmm. I think it was because I didn't get it. Like, that makes with sense. Mother, I got it. I was like, yeah. okay, Darren Aronofsky is crazy, and this is yep. just an allegory for the Bible. Yeah. And I felt like it was obvious. <laughs> yeah. But like, so I got it kind mm, of. And I think mm-hmm. with this, like, I think that I was in on the joke. And then I was just like ah. watching everyone was like, ah, you losers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm such an asshole. But <laughs> like, like, um, I think with this, I didn't feel like in on it. Mm. And I think that may have been part of the struggle. So 
I feel like that's a great way to put it. I yeah. definitely, I would definitely say that's accurate. I think I would, I would echo that sentiment for sure. Like of all his movies, this is the one that I felt the least like in the loop on for sure. Yeah. Like, I even felt like with, with like Synecdoche, New York, I even somewhat understood what he was trying to do, even though mm-hmm. it like progressively got crazier you're like, okay, I understand the rabbit hole that he's going down. I don't yeah. understand all the commentary that he's making. Mm-hmm. I understand the rabbit hole that he's going down. And and like we were talking about, so much of this movie is the how. Yeah. And I think that I did kind of struggle with that at first. So I, I again, that. that could be more me. Um, I, 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 I did read though, which I thought was interesting, just, just another side point that in the book the janitor doesn't come up until the very end. I was hearing that too. That's when you sort of piece together that it was all in his mind. Mm -hmm. And I do think that was a really good choice for him to sort of put these inner cuts of the janitor. Mm -hmm. So you sort of establish him as a character and you're like, how does this tie in? And eventually you sort of piece together how that all happens. Yeah. But um, I think that that was a really good choice of his. Um, my sister was actually my sister watched it with her boyfriend um they didn't really like it uh but (laughs) that's not the point um (laughs) we were talking about it yesterday and she said yeah the one thing i read that i'm really bummed he didn't include from the book was there was this kind of almost like um like interesting tie-in where when she was getting the phone calls throughout it was the janitor but like the only thing he would say was like well what are you waiting for because like she would think like, I'm thinking of ending things. And then she would get this phone call. That's like, what are you waiting for? Like, just go. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I, cause I think I remember watching and like the phone calls was the one thing that really kept throwing me was like, like, what is the point of the phone calls? Like, I, I guess it's really just, understand them. I guess it's just him interrupting the world. Right. Isn't it yeah. the call from the janitor? I think it still is. That was what we kind of pieced together. Mm-hmm. I think, I think feels... a smarter friend of mine might have pieced <laughs> that together. I don't know who. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I think it's, it's him sort of interrupting the world. And mm. I've also heard that I'm thinking of ending things is his own suicidal tendencies sort of drifting Ooh. into the flow of oh, I like story. That. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that we answered anyone's no, I don't think we real did. questions. But uh So I think the main takeaway from us talking is if you watch I'm thinking of ending things, you need to watch it again. Um <laughs> Yeah, watch it five times and then get back to me. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh any anything else you wanna close with on this uh, movie? Talk for like 50 minutes. Wow. I know. <laughs> We're going to do a quick. It's that long. Yeah. I didn't just either. A quick, just a quick We're take a on. Quick... <laughs> <laughs> See, this, is, this is why you can't invite me back because we no. just talked for too long. <laughs> no way. Ban me from the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, your last. <laughs> no. I'm on you're thin ice. Anytime, Clara. This is Thank so you. Fun. I'm so honored. I have the best time. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say. Um, uh watch lingua franca on netflix yeah. hell yeah hell yeah i will check that out and i'll get I'll back plug to it you. again heck yeah I, i'll look again. i'll look for your views um 
I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> well, thanks for coming back on. Um, yeah. Since this is a bonus episode, do you, do you want to do a movie quote? Do I, you just call I thought it? about wanna... it. I thought about it. And oh, I, you thought about it. So you have one ready. Okay. okay. I have one ready. I'm going to do a line from Spirited Away, I decided, oh. um, from the beginning. Um, should I just do it? And then we can say what it was from in case anyone doesn't know. I don't yeah, know. Go, go for it. Okay. It's the line where Chihiro goes, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. And she's like freaking out at the beginning in a little fetal position. And she's like, disappear. Oh, yeah. Just go away. Calm down. It's fine. And then she dis- like starts to vanish. And I think it's so fun. Oh, she's like at her hands. I love that. It seems so that magical. Oh, and oh, the music God. cuts in and it's that beautiful orchestra. Oh, oh, oh. I love Spirited Away. Oh. <laughs> that soundtrack too. Oh so my gorgeous. gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you for coming back. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.